It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show rock shows and this one might be the biggest show of them all <laughs> we have a very uh special uh black history and we got the making of bitches brew by mr miles davis so um, mike what you got for me well this is the 27th album came out in 1970 okay so in a God, maybe like a 15-year period, he put out 27 albums. It's crazy. That's amazing, right? Okay. Uh, his best-selling, I believe, and it really changed the way jazz music was looked at when it came to, you know, the rock and roll world, okay? Because it was really a, a, a combination of... of electrified instruments, which is something he only had just started doing on his prior. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, a lot of people were turned off by it too. You know, he kind of, you know, Bob Dylan has often said, you know, like th there's the story when he went electric at the folk festival in 65, that people were throwing shit at him and booing him. And he lost a lot of fans because he wasn't staying acoustic kind of happened to Miles Davis a little bit as well. Okay. A lot of people didn't want to see this fusion of, you know, rock musicians into the jazz world. But Miles, you know, he did it, in, you know, he just took it to that other level, you know. He really he really did. Um, like I said, it came out on March 30th, 1970, on Columbia Records. It's a double record. Yep. And, you know, prior to this album was an album called In a Silent Way that came out a year earlier in 69. And he started having electric piano. He started having electric guitar, electric bass mixed in there with his trumpet playing. And it was different. It was it was a fusion. Okay, what they call jazz fusion. All right. But they didn't have a name for it back then. It just was something out there that Miles was doing, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was totally different uh, uh, in a silent way and then continuing on with Bitches Brew. It was a totally different way of recording jazz, different rhythms, different time signatures. Uh, it was much more of a loose rock-influenced kind of recording. Um, I'll get into some of that a little bit, what I mean by that. But, I mean, you, you do you listen to Miles Davis at all, Rob? You, you into any jazz? Yeah, or? I listen to a little bit, but the probably if I listen to him, Miles Davis would probably be the one because he was just like so smooth his music yeah. coming out of that. He was great. Yeah, but I mean, the thing, uh -huh. the thing that he did with this album, he incorporated so much stuff that you're like, what the fuck? It's so good. It's yeah, so many sounds and the electric guitar, electric piano. And I can see why people lost their shit. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a you know, for years it was uh. You know, it, it took a while to go gold. I'll talk about that. It took even longer to go platinum. I don't think it went platinum until the 21st century. 
Okay. Yeah, I think it went platinum in. I actually got a date. If you want to know it. Yeah, I got it. I got it too. We can get to it. Yeah, it did. It did go platinum, like like certified. Like you got a certificate yeah. and everything. Yeah, but he's you know now it was like thirty years after his death or twenty years after his death, something like that. Uh, you know, Miles was 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 a cool guy. Oh yeah, it was in nineteen ninety. 2003, the album was certified platinum. 2003, so it was like 10 years, basically, after it died. One million copies. Yep. Yep. And I always, you know, this is the Miles Davis record I go to. Uh, Bertha Cool, you know, uh, Kind of Blue, all that is great. But I kind of like this period with him the best. I think it's the most interesting. And it was, he was taking, he was taking a chance because you know, his career was, was okay. It was doing well, but what was happening was the music industry was changing in the late sixties. You know, everything was, was these, you know, long haired rock bands and, yeah. and some of the black jazz musicians didn't like this. It was just taking away too much. You know, they were, they were kind of incorporating some jazz influence stuff into their music as rock bands and people that were in jazz was saying, Hey, you know, why, why are we letting these long head bands take our shit? Okay. So miles was one of those people, you know, he, he heard what was going on in rock music. He was very in tune. He loved Hendrix and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, but he was like, well, why can't I make a record with rock influences? You know? And that's really what he did. Now, Originally, the album got mixed responses when it came out, but over the years, it would gain a lot of momentum and eventually became his highest charting album. Um, it got to number 35 in 1971. Okay. Uh, it won a Grammy for Best Large Jazz Ensemble Album. And in 1976, it would go gold. And like you said, in 2003, it would go platinum. So... Here's the history here. Basically, by 69, Miles Davis's core working band consisted of Wayne Shorter on soprano sax, Dave Holland on bass, Chick Corea on electric piano, and Jack DeJohnette on drums. Uh, the group, minus DeJohnette, recorded In a Silent Way, which was also featured um, a guy named Joe Zawinul. Uh, John McLaughlin, Tony Williams, and Herbie Hancock played on that record. Um, the album marked begin right, right, who would go on to, you know, all that stuff in the 80s that he did. He still makes records, I believe. Um, the, the, the album marked the first time that, you know, be considered his electric period, okay? Um, it incorporated the electric piano, guitar, jazz fusion styles, but this was in a certain way. In a silent way. But then after that album came out, he said, you know, I want to take this further. And that would be the, the Bitches Brew record. Um, what he did was, for touring in a silent way in 69, he had his five-piece band um, get together, and they, they, they worked on some early demos for what would be songs on Bitches Brew, and they took it out on tour and played it on some of these these shows for uh, in a silent way that they did uh, early versions of what became uh, Miles Runs the Vo- Miles Runs the Voodoo Down. That's the name of a song. 
uh, Sanctuary, yeah. Spanish Key. Okay, they were all played on that tour in '69. And at this point in his career, Miles was was definitely influenced by rock and particularly funk music. Oh okay. yeah, very right. Joe, Joe, right. Joe Zawinul, he played um, with something called Cannonball Adderley. Okay, uh, Cannonball Adderley was a, was a famous uh, alto sax player. Okay, and the work of English composer Paul Buckmaster. A lot of that stuff was out there, and Miles was listening to it, and he, he was being taking it all in and kind of turning it into this new type of jazz fusion that would come out with Bitches Brew, really. Okay. Um, in August of 69, and I, I find this interesting because it's right around the time I was born, uh, August, into, August 1969, Miles got his band together for some booked recording sessions. Uh, the five piece was there. Okay, that he had, as well as Joe Sawinell, John McLaughlin, Larry Young, Lenny White, Don Elias, Juna Santos, and Benny Maupin. Okay, all featured on this album. Miles had written some simple chord lines, and at first, um, he had three pianos, okay, which he kind of expanded into a sketch of a larger composition. In other words, he, he, he was coming up with like the core stuff, but it was very loose. There was, you know, there was ability to change things. And he, that's how he, he did, you know, he would come up with a basis to work with and everybody kind of built on it. Um, they, he told them they could play anything that came to mind that they wanted, as long as they play off his one chosen chord. Okay, which is not easy to do. Okay, you're asking, no, do. you're asking some, you know, he's saying, okay, you can only take it so far, but stay within this region. Now, he had no arrangements really for each of these in these these players. Okay, um, but That's incredible, yeah, but he basically within this, the you know, it was improvisational, absolutely. Okay, uh, because. Miles was against what he called prearranged shit. All right. He didn't he didn't like he he was more like let the guys play, but within boundaries. Okay. But some jazz musicians would have everything hammered out for you. Yeah. You know, the way you were supposed to play. And that was the only thing you could do. He allowed for a lot of improv improvisation, which has made him so unique. Um what he did was he booked Columbia's Studio B. Columbia Records Studio B in New York City from August 19th through the 21st. Uh, this album like in four days. In like three days. Yeah, all live. Okay. Uh, the session on the 19th started at 10 a.m. And the band was attempting at first to do the title track, Bitches Brew. All right. Uh, everyone was set up in a half circle. Okay. With Miles and Wayne Shorter next to each other in the middle. Uh, and it was a three-day live recording, okay? Not one overdub. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. So what you hear is what you get. That's it, okay? And I don't, you know, I, the, the, I love albums that are raw like this, whether it's a rock album or, you know, a jazz album, whatever, because you can really see how it all comes together. And, yeah, this, you know, Miles, Miles always said, you know, there's no wrong chord. 
There's no wrong note, in other words. There's no wrong note that you could play. The only wrong note you play is the next note, okay? It's just like everything is improvisational, all right? And that's that was the beauty of his music, especially Bitches Brew, because it's probably one of the loosest jazz records you'll ever hear, you know? And uh, I think it was very influential coming out in 1970 to, you know, Bands like the MC5 and and other later on in the 70s, you had a lot of jazz influenced rock bands like Steely Dan and things like that. Yeah. I'm not really into them that much, but I respect them for being great musicians. And they they point to jazz as you know a definite influence. All right. Um, as was usual in a lot of Davis recording sessions, uh, tracks were recorded in sections, small sections. And he would give a few instructions while playing. Sometimes he would give a tempo count. He would, uh, a few chords, okay? There'd be a hint of a melody he would give them. Um, Sometimes it was just basically suggestions on the mood they were supposed to be in or, or whatever tone they were supposed to be playing. You know, but again, very improvisational. Now, Davis worked this way intentionally because he felt it forced the musicians to play close to, to play to pay close attention to each other, okay, and also to themselves. Okay, uh, what would happen is, even though he it, it, it's again in the looseness, he could change his mind quickly, and going another way and you had to follow him so in this process he was basically like you know it allowed everybody to pay attention to each other to themselves and to him that's the way he saw it i don't know okay you know some people found it difficult to work with miles davis some found it easy it just depends you know on how you what type of, there's some people that do want leadership be like oh why improv can you how you want to play or whatever yeah yeah, I mean, it had to be an experience to, to play with the guy. Was, by that point, he was a fucking living legend, you know. And people would probably geek it out anyway. Yeah, yeah, be an honor, you know. Now, um, on the quieter moments of Bitches Brew, where it's a little quieter, more mellow, you can actually hear Miles' voice. You can hear him, like, giving instructions, Okay. Uh, you can sometimes hear him snapping his fingers. Okay, just very light in the background because this was all recorded live, exactly as it was. No overdubs. Wow. They didn't take out anything. They didn't add anything. Nothing. All right, it's exactly as it was recorded. Uh, at one point, you could hear him saying, "Keep it tight. Keep it tight." You know, uh, what he would do too, and you could hear it on Bitches Brew if somebody had a solo. You know, he would call their name right before they they started doing that solo. So, good. yeah, I mean, like I said, totally, totally live in the studio. I think that was the genius of this record. Okay. Um, there was a track called John McLaughlin. Of course, there was a musician, but there was an actual track yeah. named after him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, another one called Sanctuary. Those were put down on the August 19th sessions on the first day. Uh, they started working. Um, they, they, they were working on Bitches Brew, but it didn't get totally recorded that day. 
uh, McLaughlin and Sanctuary were the two that were done. And then Pharaoh's Dance was also rehearsed on, which is the opening track okay, yeah. to the album. Uh, now, despite his reputation as cool and a melodic improviser, much of Miles Davis's playing on this album is really aggressive. Okay, it's it's not anything he had done before. Okay, uh, you could say it's also explosive. I mean, his trumpet just pops. All right, and uh, he he also would kind of. He was taking the, the trumpet playing to higher heights. Uh, the, the notes were actually a lot in a higher register than he had done in the past. You know, the opening of Bitches Brew, uh, when when he, it's just, you hear the, the, the echoes of the trumpet. It was at like a very high, high register. And, you know, and it was he was really pushing himself, I think, as a, as a musician to yeah, do this. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, the closing solo on Miles Runs the Voodoo Down is particularly noteworthy in that regard as well with the high, the high notes. Uh, he didn't play, however, on the song John McLaughlin. He's not on that. Okay, it's everybody else. Now, if you're wondering how he came up with the name, Bitches Brew, okay, uh, it's basically a reference to like all the women in his life. <laughs> Okay, and, and, and he had many. Okay, uh, I believe Cicely Tyson was in his life at this time, and a bunch of other women. Uh, you know, Miles got around, but what was happening was was these women were, cha- you know, showing him the cultural changes that were happening in the '60s. So they th- these women around him were were very influential in shaping this record and shaping his outlook okay uh there's a great netflix documentary out there right now called miles davis the birth of cool okay and it's the story of his life and everybody you know take take an hour and a half to see this it's it's a great documentary came out i think it was this year or last year i think it's pretty pretty recent uh the interview a lot of people that played with him. Uh, sadly, Miles has been gone now since the early '90s. But yeah, yeah. Um, he had a wild life. He had a, he had a hard life, man. He had a hard life. There was, you know, drug addiction, cocaine, you know, heroin and cocaine addiction at points in his career. Uh, but you know, he represented, especially around this time and into the early '70s, just like a badass dude. You know, he had all the cars. He had all the clothes. He had all the women. He had, you know, everybody wanted to be like him, you know. know, Yeah, you know, and he just looked badass. He had like that kind of longish hair with the sunglasses and, you know, you know, every word out of his mouth was motherfucker. He was like a jazz playing Samuel Jackson. You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think he's fuck. You know, and and I you know I wish I could have seen him in in his time. Um, now the post production of this record is very interesting. Uh, there was a lot of new techniques that were really done for the first time, almost with this record, as far as jazz. Okay, uh, the producer's name was Teo Macero. Okay, and he almost used the recording studio like a musical instrument himself. Wow. Okay. Uh, the many short 
edits that the, rec- the the way they recorded it was in a lot of short sections. Okay, they would be put together into longer sections. All right, and then he would add studio effects to it, like things like tape loops. Okay, uh, tape delays, echoes. Okay, like again in Bitches Brew, the title track. When you hear his trumpet kick in and all the echoes, it sounds like his trumpet is bouncing off buildings in Manhattan. Boom, boom. Like, you know, like a big echo, <laughs> yeah. you know, from one side to the other. And uh, never really was done before in jazz. And so it really was groundbreaking. You know, uh, they said, we're going to and, – and, and I, I kind of think, you know, I'm going to go so far to say that he had to be looking at Phil Spector as an influence, oh, yeah. okay, this Te- Teo Macero guy. Um, the warm sound. Right, well, not, right, well, not, you know, like, he didn't do the they would use, they, got, would, they were using, they were using two basses sometimes, three guitars, uh, yep. two to three drummers at one time, so it was almost like a wall of sound, like you say, Rob, you know, I think it, I think that there's, they, in a sense, that's really what they were doing. You know, and uh, the rhythm sections of the band, the drum and the bass, was was given center role on this album, which was not common on jazz. That's more of a rock thing. Yeah. Okay. You know, feature dr- drums featuring exclusively. Uh, it really hadn't been done, and and some people were put off by it. They didn't. They they didn't like that rock influence. But yeah, it was like a rock jazz album almost. Combination. Was, combination. Good. I thought it was good. Yeah, it We hear it now, 50 years later, and it's it's great. But back then, it was like, whoa, what the fuck is Miles doing? You it know? was innovative, too. It was very innovative. Yeah, yeah. Now, the technology of recording, like analog tapes and, and disc mastering and inherent recordings, that uh, inherent recording time constraints, uh, by that time in the late 60s, that had expanded. In other words, the technology was really starting to be there to do a lot more. And he took advantage of that with this album. Um, there had been a lot of limitations in the past. I don't think tape loops were commonly used until like Hendrix was using them. And that was the late 60s. The fi- there was, it had been done in the past, but n- like very rarely and not most people didn't know how to do it. Okay, so, you know, the Beatles kind of started doing it on Revolver. Okay, there were tape loops on that. Sergeant Pepper. So that's 67. Jimi Hendrix was doing it in 66, 67. So it was that it was that era. Now, um, one cool thing about the record, it's kind of a, a lost concept now, but it did come out in what was called quadraphonic sound. And it was a uh, it was issued a year later in 1971 in that way. Okay, now what was quadraphonic sound? Stereo was two channels. Okay, you had two channels, left and right together. That's stereo. But th- what they did in the 70s is they they had the ability to expand that for the first time into four speakers. Wow. All right. So records sometimes came out in quadraphonic sound. Uh, they were recorded that way. Okay. Um, another feature we talked about, if you remember like the binaural quadraphonic sound, 
Yeah. Um, remember Lou Reed was doing that on Street yeah. Hassle, and yeah. he was. They actually had people. He would record live, and they had microphones in these dummy heads. Remember we were talking about that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, this was a a very different way of recording to get like a perfect live sound. And he, wow. it, 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 when Bitches Brew came out years later, uh, like a complete box set of all the recordings, they actually included the regular stereo version and the quadraphonic version. Quadraphonic. So if, wow. if you have a chance to hear the quadraphonic, it's pretty wild. But you got to have four speakers set up. You know, yeah, four speakers. You get that to, sound. Because like I said, the, the, like the opening to Bitches Brew with all the, the trumpets sounding like they're bouncing around, you hear it in different way, you know, different speakers, you know, so it's kind of cool. Um, groundbreaking. The album was absolutely, I think we showed that, but it was also kind of known as chill out music. It was something that people picked up on to kind of chill out, smoke a joint, have a drink, listen to miles, chill out, have sex, you know, whatever. Okay. It was, it was chill out music. And for years, that's what people listened to this as, you know, and it, it didn't just attract jazz fans. It attracted other people. Okay. Now, um, Rolling Stone magazine has called this the number 94 album of the list of 500 greatest albums. Wow. Yeah. It's up there. Okay. And there's also a book called the 1001 albums that you must hear before you die. That's one of them. One of them. Yeah. Now, Many 70s rock bands uh, definitely were influenced by this. Anybody that had a jazz influence, okay? But there's some modern-day bands that that have, you know, latched on to this, like Radiohead. The guys in Radiohead, like, like love, this, love this album. And also, there was a Canadian band, punk band, in the 90s. Uh, do you remember them called No Means No? No means oh, yeah, no. Remember, no you put something up. About no I did post no. yeah, not too long ago. I did make that a song of the day. They yeah. actually covered the title track, Bitches Bro. So you got this like punk band. Okay. And there you go. Me a little bitches brew thrown on. A little bitches brew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they what they did, I, I a lot of no means no fans, from what I understand, didn't like this. I kind of think it was cool. They took they they covered it with guitars, no trumpets, nothing like you know, no jazz instruments. They used guitars and drums, and everything, and even that echoing sound. They used it with guitars, and instead of being like a twenty-six minute long album side, like it was, it's like about fifteen minutes long, which is still pretty long for a rock, uh, you know, a punk band. And they actually had the, the the courage, I would say. Some might say nerve, but I would say courage to put lyrics to it. Wow. And the lyrics are like spoken kind of, and it's about like this violently drunk Miles Davis fan. All right. It's just like, a, it's just like wow, okay, you, you, you took it to a different level now, you know? That's pretty cool that it can do that. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I think you can go back and listen to it. No means no version of Bitches Brew. So that's all I got for you today, Rob. That's Bitches Brew. Um, it's our 150th show. Yeah, can you I, believe I think that? We gotta, and I I'm think celebrating. We got, and you're celebrating. All right, man. 
150. Ooh, I'm gonna be stoned like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be me. That's gonna be me later on tonight. Uh, oh man. So can you believe 150? Yeah. And uh, you know, I want to thank all the fans, of course, everybody that's watched the shows and subscribed to the podcast and pushed us to where we are. Couldn't yeah. have done it without any of you. So I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, always keep in touch. You got ideas. You got anything you want to talk about. Let me know. You guys know how to get me. I'll put yeah. all my social handles on in a bit. And, you know, Rob, got to thank you, too. You know, I couldn't have done it without you. Yeah. And, you know, you all all the, you know, Rob is the, Rob's the technical genius of the show. <laughs> And the technology is not that good. <laughs> hey, we're pretty good. You know, two guys with faces yeah, made for radio. <laughs> yeah. But we do good. And people listen. I get sometimes I get shocked by the views we get on some stuff. We get pretty amazing. You know, I'm like yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Watch it. But people well, are no, watching, I, people are listening. I think we've succeeded in uh what we set out to accomplish in the beginning, which was basically two guys in a bar, you know, bullshitting about music. And yeah, we are, we're not always together when we do the shows, but, but yeah. it's still, it's still two guys bullshitting about bands, you know, and, and I kind of, I've, I've made it a point to talk about bands that maybe people don't know as much, you know, I mean, I could, we've, you know, I could, I could talk about, the stones and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff all day. But yeah. it's been, it's been talked about a million times. Not that it's not interesting, but it's just, you can go anywhere and see that. So I try to think like, you know, where are you going to hear something about Lou Reed's street hassle? Like a making of that, you know, no I wanted, I wanted to be, I wanted to be different. And you kind of, you know, you, you, you definitely agreed with me, I think. Yeah. You know? It's a different kind of show. We actually talked about that. We talk about the different possibility and how this album changed or what you think about the album. And you know what? Music is music, but it's put out there so you can enjoy, talk about it. And some of these albums that we talk about, you know what? They changed the world from Miles Davis from Sun Sunrise. All these people were people that were innovators, people that changed the sound to the point you're like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Yeah. Even when uh, we talked about um, what was the guy uh, with um, Mike, with uh, Zeppelin with Frank Zappa? Frank Zappa? Yeah. What was that? Captain Beefheart? Captain Beefheart, right? Yeah. We talk about how many people we even talk about that? Like nobody yeah. now. No, but nobody's nobody talking about that. It. And you know, I've 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 tried to turn people on to some stuff that I like because my 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 interests are always very eclectic. They're all over the place. Yeah. Um of course it's it's a you know basis in a lot of punk rock, but but not just that. Okay. And uh yeah, I mean that Captain Beefart show we did last year was well I think it was one of the best shows we did. And what I was so surprised is you you were really excited. Like you you know you didn't yeah, know much about him. You didn't know much about him, but you got into it just by doing the research. And I think, yeah. and that happens to me sometimes too. I I, I like when that happens. Because that was good. There have been a lot of bands like that that we've done, and I like, and I sit there and I'm like, holy shit, 
Like, you know what's the one thing I never realized how bad that um the kiss rock out rock opera album was. That was oh the elders. Oh my god. What a, I'm like, yeah, we talked, the, we talked about that when they when we were doing a review of the Kistery, right? It was a Kistery, yeah. the thing documentary. Yeah, what were they yeah. smoking when they did this? Set, uh, they don't smoke anything. They're, they're, they're like sober. So I know, you know, well, not Ace, but Gene and Paul, you know, they don't really what do the anything. What the hell were they doing? What were they thinking when they did that? I, I don't know. But even, even Paul idea. Stanley, even Paul Stanley, when he see, when he saw the, you know, the uh, the mural, okay, or the, what do you call it, the billboard, uh, <laughs> after the album, they're like, oh, God, what did I do? You know? <laughs> but listen, there's people that love that record. There's people that love that record. Uh, I've I've met Kiss fans that love that record, and okay, it has its own life, you know. But that's what's great about bands is you could talk about bands all day, and there's always somebody that goes, uh, "I don't agree with that," or you know, "That's not true." Or you could have a in-depth conversations, okay? You know. The, the 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 show with uh, the Sisters of Mercy was good. With <laughs> we, that was that was a lumped up show. We were all together. We were all lumped up at Scotty's place, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we just. I mean, you know, did we review them or did we shit on them? What did we do? <laughs> we did a bunch of shit. It might have been we, a review and shit and on show. There was some people on the YouTube channel that commented, and it was like that was funny, you know. And oh, maybe Andrew wants. To, maybe Andrew will see this, and I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to kill us, man. I'm gonna lump those guys up. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna find, go to New York and find these fucking guys. <laughs> how hard? How hard would it be to find us if we were gonna get assassinated? They oh. know just where to fucking oh. find us. <laughs> they could find a blind man. Take us out. A <laughs> blind man could, yeah, definitely. Yeah, not bad. You know, where are these? Where are these guys? I know where they're. Yeah, at. I know exactly where they're. At. You know what's funny is I went back not too long ago, a couple months ago, and I listened to some of the very first shows we did. You know, when we we didn't do video, and yeah. we were, we were just doing audio, and it was on Anchor FM, and it was me and you in the bar on Sunday morning, yeah. and you were actually working, and there wasn't that many people, so you could talk. You know, and uh, we sound like little kids, man. It's it's like we like we're like just figuring it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I mean we were good. You know, and we it's not much different now, but I think I'm I think I'm better at telling it. You know, and I think you're better at everything. You you know, all the technology and and you know your inputs are, are a lot better too. We just got good at it. Yeah. You know, that's what happened when you after 150 shows, you should be good at something. You should be better. Yeah, well, something's wrong. Well, you know, and and, and I, I I always I, I find it amazing when you know, and, and not not amazing like we don't deserve it, but amazing that people in other podcasts will listen to us and and they're just like, you guys are fucking great what you do. Yeah, you know, it's, it's such a it's such like a it's such like an honor. You know, yeah, me. To me, you know, it's like holy shit, we're doing something right. It's not like when we hit those charts, I'm like amazed sometimes. I'm, what do you mean with what? <laughs> and I just got the, yeah. I got to do a double take. What? Who the hell is? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
We wow. don't get that little spike. Boom, boom, boom. It's crazy. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, but it's the world. So I know, I know. Lead to the next 150 more rock shows. You we know? got, we got a. Yep, it's endless, man. There's no cap on this. And we also in uh, with this with rock show and the conspiracy show. You know what's funny? When I look at all the shows I've done, and I look at uh, Apple. Well, all the shows I've done with you and John and everybody. Yeah, we're up to like a freaking like four hundred something episode. If you add them all up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if anybody looks for an icon, they'll be like, "Holy shit, these guys got a." I think that's what keeps everybody interested. There's a lot of choices. You know, you could look at different things. The rock show is always different every week, and and yeah. conspiracy shows. We go off on, God, we go on tangents. You know, <laughs> and, th and this year, I'm glad we, we're emphasizing the conspiracy show a little more. Yeah, we're gonna do um, episode. episode. We got the the you guys know we go listen to the Giants episode. It's an episode. Three parts of giants in America, or giants in the yeah. Bible, giants just in history alone. And, then, and we the, did the, like three episodes there. The Cal Denaro stuff, the Son of Sam oh. stuff. Okay, you know, yeah. and, and that's that's going to be a series, and you know, uh, looking forward to that, and 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 getting some information out there on that topic. Um, so I guess we want to sign off. Thank everybody. Thank everybody again. I uh, appreciate everything, all the fans and all your listeners and everything that's helped us through these 150 rock shows. Uh, if you're looking for me, I'm on Instagram, RockerMike212. Uh, I'm also on Facebook under Rocko Mike because they still will not allow me to be Rocker Mike. I'm Rocko Mike. And then you can Rocko. And then you can find me on the Rock Show Podcast group page. A lot of activity there. I'm also on Clout Hub and MeWe on Ro as Rocker Mike. Uh, where can we find you, Mr. Rossi? And you can find me in anything lumped up. If you look up the handle lumped up, it'll come up right away, especially on Hulu or, I mean, especially on Google or, or um, Safari. Yep. Any, any place you pop up, you put in the thing, getting lumped up, and it pops up. So I'm, on, I'm also on, well, on Spotify. Apple, Apple, um, Apple iPod. We're also on iHeartRadio, Pandora. We're stick almost on any platform. Yeah, stick any any platform you look at us, you can find us. And our main home is pretty much Spotify and Anchor. Those are the our carrier. Those are the guys that distribute the show to everybody else. And then to and pretty much, I gotta give a big thank you to Anchor for uh, helping us uh, support it and be able to make the technology free, so we can put it out there for people. And don't forget the YouTube channel, getting lumped up. Okay, you'll see Rob Rossi's head and Obama swirl, and you yeah. and you just sign up, subscribe, hit like, comment, you watch know, all recently, the shows. I recently was able to take the getting lumped up. So when you go on YouTube, you can actually put getting lumped up. And you'll you'll get right yeah, to it. Straight to right to it. There's no more yeah. than other link. It's not right, 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 right. So I just did that. So there's a lot of stuff happening with the channel, with the stuff, and now, uh, guys. Yep. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. And remember, always don't get drunk. Get lumped up. We'll see you next week. Take care, people.
guest you will hear That will be music to your ears You'll learn about bands you'll love or may not know And it's only here on The Rock Show Let's get lumped up on the rock show.